This is the last Sunday in our series that's called Unstuck. It's pretty simple. Our church's vision is move beyond, that we're always to be moving beyond wherever we are in our faith to something greater that God has for us. And the unstuck part comes in is because as we move, sometimes we get stuck. And so what we've been trying to do over the past few weeks is to help you get unstuck, maybe in certain areas of your life. I want to start today by telling you two stories. One is from the Bible, one is from life. The first story is from the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 13. And God instructs Moses to send some scouts into the land of Canaan. He says, I want you to, to go scout out this land that I'm going to be giving to you. So Moses gets together some scouts and he sends them out and he gives them these instructions. He says, look, you need to go and you need to check this land out. What kind of land is it? And are the people there weak or are they strong? Do they live in fortified cities? Do they have big towns? Are they many? Are they few? What's the soil like? And oh, by the way, bring us back some sample fruit so we can know what, the, what we're going to eat when we get there, I guess. So off they go and they return with their findings. And they say, first of all, oh, it's just like, <laughs> it is the promised land. It is indeed a land that's flowing with milk and honey. But the people who live there are powerful. And their cities are fortified. And every inch of the land is crawling with our enemies. But then when we get to verse 30 of Numbers 13, it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. So when it comes to this story, which one are you? Are, are you Caleb? who says the odds don't matter, we can do this? Or are you like the other scouts who said there's no use in trying, we'd be defeated for sure? Second story. There was a man who stopped by to watch a Little League baseball game one time. And so he asked one of the players, he said, what's the score? And the little boy answered, he said, we're losing 18 to nothing. And the man said, well... That must be discouraging. And the little boy answered, discouraged? He said, why should we be discouraged? We haven't even come to bat yet. It's interesting that this little boy believes so much that the odds didn't matter. We haven't had our chance yet. We haven't come to bat. And the underlying part of this is, and I believe we're better than they are. So which one are you in this story? Are you the man that sees a hopeless situation and identifies it as such? Or, or are you the little kid that says the situation is far from hopeless? We haven't even had a shot at it yet. Well, far too many Christians are like the group of scouts that were sent to check out the land of Canaan, and a lot of us uh, are, are like this, this man. And what we're stuck in is we're stuck in something called defeatism. Now, defeatism is a ready acceptance or expectation of defeat. It's an attitude that you're either beaten even before you start, 
or you can see defeat without really even putting in an honest effort. In general, you just expect to lose. You're a defeatist, and you live in defeatism. You're stuck there. Which, if you think about it, if you're a believer in Jesus, it, that's, that t- whole attitude is totally contrary to everything you read in Scripture. Because everything you read in Scripture about us says that we're victors. That victory is what we enjoy, not defeat. And, and people will say, well, Pastor, I understand that when I die and when I go to heaven because of my faith, that's going to be victory for me. And, and my answer is, well, well, certainly it is, and I'm glad that you feel that way, and I'm glad that you believe that. But the Bible doesn't just talk about victory when we die. The Bible talks about how we can have victory now, how we can have a victorious life instead of living a life where we're stuck in defeatism all the time. It's odd that it's entirely possible to believe with all your heart that you're going to go to heaven and have victory and still live your days here on earth stuck in defeatism. And it shouldn't be that way. So what we're going to do today is we're going to try to get you unstuck from defeatism, from that attitude that affects your life every day. And to do that, we're going to look at, at Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, or it'll be on the screen for you. Jesus is leaving Jericho, and he's on the last leg of his journey to Jerusalem. And the interesting thing about this journey is this is the last one he's ever going to make to Jerusalem. Not because he doesn't like it there, but he knows that when he goes this time, he's going to be arrested, and he's going to be tried, and he's going to be crucified. He was fully aware. When he left to go to Jerusalem, he was fully aware this was going to happen. In fact, back up in about verse 31 of chapter 10, he tells his disciples that this is exactly what is going to happen when we get there. So, Jesus is on the last leg of this journey. And when we get to verse 46 of Mark chapter 10, it says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. This man, Bartimaeus, appears to have nothing going for him. In fact, I'm going to give you the top six reasons why Bartimaeus should be a defeatist. The number one reason, of course, he's blind. And because he's blind, he's illiterate. And because he's illiterate, he can't read and can't read the scriptures and the law. And because he can't read and understand the religious law, then he's a religious outcast by the religious leaders of the day. And because of his blindness, he's not qualified for a job. So he has to go out and he has to beg for what he gets. And he's a social outcast because he's a nuisance to everybody. Because he's always begging. Nobody wants to be around him. People avoid him. And then, as if that wasn't enough, Bartimaeus, this guy's name, in Hebrew literally means son of garbage or son of filth. So Bartimaeus has nothing going for him. In fact, his name isn't even going for him. Walking around with a name, you're blind, you're illiterate, you're an outcast. You have to beg for a living, and your name is son of garbage. Why in the world wouldn't this man 
be a defeatist. Everybody would understand if he was. But actually, I have another view of this guy. Because I really think that this guy is more like Caleb that we read about earlier or the little boy on the baseball team. I want to tell you why. I'm going to give you six reasons that Bartimaeus is not a defeatist and reasons that he is not stuck in defeatism. The first reason, it's obvious he's not given up. In fact, with everything going against him, you would think he would just give up. But he doesn't. He hasn't given up. In fact, he's a smart guy. And he knows that where a crowd is gathered, he knows there's money. And in this case, there's a large crowd that's gathered. And so not only is he going to be a part of this crowd and beg, but he knows that the larger the crowd, the greater the chance he might find not just a few coins, but someone who would be his benefactor. And if he could find a benefactor, someone who would support him, then he wouldn't have to go out and beg. He'd be set for life. So he's a smart guy. He's not giving up. And he's placed himself in the middle of the crowd. The second reason is he's keenly aware of what's going on around him. He can't see, but he can hear and he can understand. So in verse 47, it says, When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. That brings us to the third reason. The third reason is this. He knows exactly who Jesus is. The people tell him, Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. That's what they tell him. He hears that. But he knows who Jesus is. He doesn't shout out and say, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, Son of David. He knows that Jesus is more than just a good guy that's going around doing some pretty good and impressive things. He knows that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. And because he is the Messiah, Bartimaeus knows that he is the one who can truly help him. He's not just another rabbi. He's the Messiah. And so Bartimaeus comes to find maybe a financial benefactor, but instead finds the Messiah. Now, the townspeople want him to be quiet. I don't know if they want him to be quiet because they don't want him to make a fool of himself or they don't want to be embarrassed by him calling out. But he won't be deterred. He will not be deterred. In fact, the more they try to keep him quiet, the more he calls out, Son of David, have mercy Have mercy on me. Which brings us to the fourth reason that I don't think that Bartimaeus is stuck in defeatism. And the fourth reason is he knows exactly how to get Jesus' attention. Exactly how to get Jesus' attention. Now, he certainly gets it when he says, Son of David, because Jesus says, Wait a minute, somebody knows exactly who I am in this crowd. But here's how he really gets his attention he says, Have mercy on me. You see, he could have called him son of David, but then he said, "Here's, hey, look, come over here. I need something. I want something. You come over here and do this for me. That's not what he said. He said, have mercy on me. It's a humble cry for mercy, and Jesus will never pass by a humble cry for mercy. Never, ever. He knows exactly what he's doing. 
And he's right. He's right. Verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. (laughs) I love these people. Shh, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Jesus goes, hey, come here. Oh, oh, good. You know people like that. But anyway. But, but, you know, Jesus stops. (laughs) He stops Jesus in his tracks. Not just with the son of David, but with a cry for mercy. And the fifth reason is found in verse 50. It says, this is after Jesus said, cheer up on your feet. Uh, He says, in verse 50, it says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. He threw his cloak aside. Do you realize the significance of that? Because to a blind beggar, the cloak was more than just a garment. The cloak was his means of support. As he begged, he couldn't see. He couldn't know what people were doing. So he would spread his cloak in front of him. So when people came by and they dropped coins, they would drop it in his cloak. So all he had to do when he was done was to pull it all in. That cloak was his means of support. And throwing it aside shows a couple of things. It shows that he doesn't think he's going to need it anymore for that. In fact, he knows he's not going to need it anymore. And why in the world would a blind man throw away his cloak if he didn't really believe? Because if he didn't really believe, how did he find it when he came back? You see, what happened with Bartimaeus is Bartimaeus didn't just hope this was going to work out. He knew. He knew who Jesus was. When Jesus answered his call for mercy, he threw his cloak aside. Bartimaeus was not a defeatist by any means. Which brings us to... The sixth reason. With no hesitation, with no hesitation, listen to what he says in verse 51. It says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Rabbi, I want to see. He didn't hesitate. He didn't stammer around. He knew exactly what he wanted. It's it's as if he'd been practicing for this moment his entire life, knowing that at some point he would encounter the one who could really, really, really change his life. He doesn't hesitate. He says, Rabbi, I want to see. And in verse 52, Jesus says, go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus doesn't just head off to enjoy his newfound sight. What he does with his sight is he follows Jesus. He, he realizes that, that, look, my life has been changed. And if I'm really going to not just go back into some other problem, I've really got to stick with this guy. I've really got to follow him. And that's exactly what Bartimaeus does. So just from hearing his story and some insights into that, I hope that maybe there were some things that that really spoke to your life as you thought about Bartimaeus and about all the reasons he had for being a defeatist, but how he overcame those. But I do want to just mention some things from this story today that I think really apply, especially to a lot of folks. If you're stuck in defeatism, here are some things I think you need to know. The first thing is this. You have to have a winning attitude. You have to have a winning attitude. 
We call it faith. Uh, it's not just something that you manufacture. I'm going to have a winning attitude. No, it's, it's you have faith. That's what Bartimaeus has. Bartimaeus has faith. He, he never gives up the hope that something great is going to happen in his life. And the first thing, you, you can never give up hope. You can never give up hope. I don't care what your situation is, is. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you can never, ever, ever, ever give up hope. I don't care how bad things seem. You can never give up hope. I'm going to give you a, a mantra. <laughs> it's something that I want you to, 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 to write down, to paste on your pillow at night, to make it be the first thing you see when you get up, to put it on your refrigerator, to put it on your desk. And, and, and when you get up, in the morning, doesn't matter how bad your life is. As you go through your day, it doesn't matter how bad you think your life is. As you go to bed at night, it doesn't matter how bad you think your life is. Here's the mantra for you, and it's found in 2 Corinthians 4. It says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. That's the winning attitude. The Apostle Paul wrote that. A man who, kind of like Bartimaeus, but for different reasons, probably could have had a defeatist attitude, but he didn't. And here, here's, here was his attitude. It doesn't matter what comes my way. Nothing can beat me down if I have faith in Christ. So you got to start. You can't give up hope. You can't give up hope. The second thing is that you've got to actively put yourself in a position to win. Actually put yourself in a position to win. I hate to use bad football analogy. But the Seattle Seahawks put themselves in a position to win. That's all I'll say. <laughs> you got to put yourself in a position to win. Like Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was intentional about where he placed himself. I talked earlier about he, he knew about the crowd and, and where the crowd was, where there was money. And, and where there was a lot of people, there was a good chance he would find a benefactor. You, you see, Bartimaeus didn't go sit on a deserted street that nobody was passing by. No, he put himself in a place. He put himself in the best position he knew how to get help. Now, I know a lot of people who have defeatist attitudes. And, and what do they do? They quit coming to church. They quit their life group. They quit reading the Bible. They quit praying. It makes no sense at all. If you're hungry, you shop at Kroger or Food Lion. Not at, shopping, uh, at, at uh, AutoZone. You know where the help is. That's where you need to place yourself. People with defeatist attitudes, it, it's amazing how they have this uncanny knack of placing themselves in the wrong place. Right smack dab in the middle of some place where they're not going to get any help. 
That's not what Bartimaeus did. And that's what we need to do. If you want to find, if you want to find your best chance, put yourself among Christian people. Put yourself in a church family. Put yourself in a life group. If you want to find support, you want to find answers to what's going on in your life, that's where you need to put yourself. You need to put yourself in God's Word. You need to make sure you study God's Word, not just read it, not just kind of understand it, but really get into it. You need to place yourself there. You need to place yourself in prayer. Prayer needs to be an important part of your life. That's where you're going to find the help, in the community of believers, in God's Word, and in prayer. So why in the world would you want to place yourself anywhere else? Place yourself like Bartimaeus where you know you'll find help. And, and by the way, Bartimaeus knew not to listen to negative people. You know, that crowd. Shh, shh, shh. Oh, oh, go, go, go. You know. you know what negative people are like. I kid you not. I kid you not. This has happened more than once to me. Uh, I've been in, in a group of people, and we're sharing prayer concerns. And someone will say, well, you know, mom was just diagnosed with blank, some disease. Invariably, somebody else in that group will say, yeah, my Aunt Mabel had that. She was dead within a week. (laughs) Don't hang around people like that. And if you're one of those people, stop. Stop. Put yourself with positive people. All right. You also need to decide what you really believe about Jesus. Bartimaeus believed with all his heart that Jesus was the Messiah and that he was the one that could help him. He believed it with all his heart. And this may sound silly to you, but do you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do? Now, all of us who are believers say yes. We all say yes, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We say yes, but we don't live it. We don't live like we believe it. We, will, we know all the right Christian things, and we know all the right Christian responses, and we know all the right Christian words to say. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is do you know deep down in your soul exactly who Jesus is? And if you do, do you really believe that he is the one who can help you regardless of any situation you find yourself in? And that, my friends, is the primary way you are going to get out of defeatism. If you really believe and really act on what you say you believe and put your life in the hands of the one who can really help. We don't need to just use the right words. We need to really go to the one who can help us. Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus came to Jesus humbly, and it was a cry for mercy. But it wasn't a helpless cry. He cried for mercy because he knew Jesus was the one who could actually do it. But it was going to be in his mercy. So that's what we need to do. We, we need to believe who Jesus is with all our hearts. And we need to come to him in belief. Lord, just have mercy on me. I, I know you can do something in my situation. But here's the good news. You don't have to scream to get Jesus' attention if you're a believer. You don't have to worry about him passing you by without stopping. 
Quite simply, because if you're a believer, he lives in you, and he lives in you by his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit empowers you to do the things. So when you call on him, uh, you don't have to call very far, because he's right there. And finally, we need to stop living from crisis to crisis. You you know what I'm talking about. You you just kind of get one little thing kind of taken care of, and then it's another crisis comes and then another crisis comes and and your your whole life is just crisis to crisis to crisis Bartimaeus brought his main crisis to Jesus and Jesus took care of it Jesus healed him and so what Bartimaeus did is he didn't go to the next crisis he knew because Jesus had healed him that in order for him to avoid going from crisis to crisis he had to follow him he had to intentionally follow him And that's what he does. That's what he does. He intentionally follows Jesus. If we are going to live the life that God wants us to live, a life of victory, a life that has power, a life that has confidence, a life that shows that we really know who Jesus is, then when Jesus comes and works in our situation, we don't need to say, hey, that was great. Let me move on to the next thing. No, what we need to do is we need to follow Jesus with all our hearts. Because not only is the one, he is the one who can heal us, but he is also the one who will sustain us. And not only is he the only one who can heal us, he's the only one who can sustain us. So when you celebrate something, don't just go, thank you, Jesus, and then go right back to where you were. Follow him. Follow him with all your heart. And not only will you celebrate the victory that he's given you, but but every day of your life you'll have the confidence of knowing that he's there supporting you in everything. So you don't have crisis after crisis after crisis, but you have victory after victory after victory. That's what it's about. So I don't know about you today. I don't know... Of all the things we've talked about where you're stuck, but I do know a lot of people who are stuck in defeatism. They just don't think they can win. And so they quit trying. Follow Bartimaeus' example. Follow Bartimaeus' example. And I guarantee you, you'll start living a life of victory instead of a life of defeat. Let's pray.